Welcome to Home Buying 101 with Francisco Gonzalez. Today with me is Brian with the Mortgage Fellows at Efinity. Brian, how are you doing today? Thank you for having me, Francisco. I'm doing very, very well, man. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, thank you for being on the show. So, Brian, first of all, tell us who you are. Introduce yourself. Tell us how you got into the real estate industry and why you love doing this so much. Yeah, man. So it's a long story, but I mean, we have time. So let's get in. Let's get into it. Right. So I started in mortgages back in 2016. It's when I first got into the industry. Prior to that, though, was really the, the stepping stone and, and the foundation building of why I got into mortgages. So at the time I was working at a bigger bank, U.S. Bank at the time, and I was just a banker. But I also held an NMLS license, meaning that I was able to do refinances, home equity lines of credits. The only things I, the only things I was not able to do was anything that was a 30-year mortgage and a purchase, right? So any refinances that needed to be 30 years at least, they would have to be referred out to the actual loan officer. If it was 25 years, 20 years, I was able to handle the transaction. So I would... Do a lot of cash out refinances, rated terms. HELOCs were really popular at the time when I was doing this. This was all between like 2014, 2015, majority of it. And that's when I noticed that there was a huge gap between the Latino community and banking. Like there was no trust. And I noticed it because some sometimes I needed to help out Latino families who needed that 30-year fix to do either a cash out, consolidate debt, and I found myself translating majority of the time for the paperwork. And I didn't notice that they would question everything. And at the time, it didn't really click to me why it was. But then it started, I started remembering about the 08 crash. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of families, your family, my family, we've all experienced that. So I started realizing, okay, why um, there was that huge disconnect from for trust when it came to the banking institute. And... I felt like there was a void that could be filled and I felt like I can fill that role um, of having a, a trusted partner, someone you can rely on that was going to do things by the books ethically and explain everything, not chase the dollar pretty much. And <clears throat> that was the the main reason why I said, you know what, I need to get into mortgages. I was going to college at the time to be a financial advisor and I really didn't have a, a passion for it, right? Like, managing bonds, securities, stock trading, all that just, it sounds cool, but it wasn't fulfillment. And whenever I would help out a family with a transaction and I saw the joy in their face, like they got out of credit card debt or they finally got that money they needed to fix their home, that felt fulfillment. You know, it filled the passion of helping people. For those who don't know, I'm part of a board for a nonprofit organization called Elevate. And I think that's where I found my love for helping others. So when I, when, I, when I was in high school, I was part of that class, and they helped me pretty much shape my life and my character of who I am today because my freshman, sophomore year, even junior year, I was pretty much just like a lost kid, right? Uh, I didn't have no hope for college. Um, I was undocumented. I knew that I couldn't go to college without my friends because we couldn't apply for financial aid or anything like that. And my grades weren't the best uh, just because I had just thrown the towel. I was just getting D's to get by. Um, So, and I had a bad record. Like I would talk back to teachers, um, a lot of detention because I was late to school, classics, et cetera. 
So they really were the ones that first helped me like stop procrastinating, develop leadership skills, be proactive, and just have a, a I guess a a forward way of thinking. And then we would go to actual elementary schools to teach that again, right? So when we would actually teach these things to the younger kids, you had to believe in what you're teaching because the kids will call you out. And I remember like having a little kid call me out on it, like, oh, you're just lying. You're like, you're just doing this for a class. And that really stuck with me. I'm like, man, can that kid really tell that I just joined a class, that I'm just like him, like in disbelief of the school system or whatever the case may be. So that's where I first started um, enjoy actually just helping others. We would help out younger kids. I'll volunteer for summer camps. And and that's where I guess I found my passion of just helping others. And real estate was one way, like doing mortgages was one way for me to do that and still make an honest living. So that's just a little bit of background as to how I got into the mortgage industry. In 2016, I think I joined at a time where the market was recovering, but it was on its way up already. We had just gotten out of the crash and things run on the way up now. And I remember helping the first family I, I helped out was out in Maryville. We did a transaction for 150000 was the purchase price. I still remember to this day, right? Like it was anything that you can imagine to go wrong in this transaction went wrong, but we were able to still do the transaction. We're talking low credit score, manual underwrite for an FHA loan, needed reserves, needed gifted funds. And we made it happen, had to pay off some debt, judgments popped up like throughout the process. And, but at the end of it, after we got through that entire transaction, the family was just so thankful for all the work that we did leading up to that, of helping them out, structure, not giving up on them, right? Because it was, it could have been so easy to just say, hey, your loan's denied because of X, Y, Z reason. We found out how to continue to push forward with that transaction and making it a still a sellable loan and be able to obtain financing. That was my first transaction back in 2016. And it really showed that, yes, it, it may look easy to the person outside looking in whenever you do a mortgage, but it, there's a lot of work that goes into helping each single family because each person is a little bit different. Luckily, I joined a team of a well, of very good producer. Still to this day, I keep communications with him and he taught me the industry guidelines he was really big on like knowing your guidelines. And now, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a sales job, but he always said it's more relationship building and knowing your actual product. And that's what I've, I still to this day believe in my core that to be successful in this business, you need to understand your products and make sure that you're also taking care of the relationship. Of course. So that's awesome. And thank you, of course, for sharing your story with us. So every week we start off the show with just talking about what the market looks like this week. So this week with active listings, we're at 12,190, which is the first time I've seen this is actually up from last week, 64 listings. Coming soon, we have 516 coming soon. Pending, we're at 10,000. Median listing price, we're at 510000 Median sold price, we're at 437000 And days on market, we're at 75 days. So, Brian, with the median sold price at 437 what are monthly payments looking at like this week for people that are looking at purchasing a home? Yeah, so if you're looking to purchase uh, this week, these the interest rates right now, let's say on FHA loan, um, depending on where your credit stance is, anywhere from a six and a quarter for an FHA product, monthly payment with a three and a half percent down on that transaction will fall around 
um, closer to $2,900 to $3,000, depending on property, taxes, insurance, or HOAs involved with that transaction. Now, on the conventional side of things, rates are a little higher than the FHAs. They're floating about a 6.875 right now with good credit and monthly payment on that same transaction. You're probably looking at 31 to 3200 with a 5% down payment. Now, the rates have gone up, and it's mainly due to the conversations of the government having about raising the debt ceiling. So that has caused mortgage bonds to actually trade at a much lower premium, which is causing rates to go up, right? So two and a half weeks ago, rates were in the low fives. And now we're back to, you know, high, low to high sixes, depending on the product. But I truly believe in the next 30 to 60 days, once they make a decision on what's going to happen with the debt ceiling for the U.S., then we'll know where rates are going to stand. And I think we'll be in a good sweet spot in the mid fives to maybe potentially low fives. And then we'll start seeing rate rates getting cut down by the feds because inflation continues to go down. So that's awesome. And thank you for that information. So Brian, the reason I wanted to have you on the show today is I want to talk about building wealth through real estate. So let me ask you this. What are some key strategies for building wealth through real estate investments right now? That's a, a great question. Something that we try to educate a lot of our first time home buyers in is building wealth through real estate. And to reference your question in regards to the key strategies, there's multiple different ones, but the ones I always look into is like taking advantage of the financing options when, especially when you're a first time home buyer, of getting into a home with little to no money down, buying multi unit properties, either with an FHA product. Those are all great factors, especially if you're trying to get your foot in the door. It's just about getting the first house under your name. From there, you can leverage that asset and make it into a rental property um, or sell it and buy multiple properties afterwards if you have enough equity. But the first thing that I would always suggest everybody is try to get your foot in the door with home ownership because that's going to give you tons of leverage unless you're already sitting um, with a lot of capital. So if you're a first-time home buyer, that's the best suggestion. Is let's just get you the foot in the door, and then in six to twelve months, we can talk about game planning for the next purchase on what you'll need to work on so you can achieve that purchase. The, the hack I really like is, for example, duplexes, fourplexes. Is you buy as a primary, and you live in one unit and rent out the other two, three, four units, and then after a year, you can rent it out to someone else, and and you can pretty much finance it as a primary instead of financing it as an investment, correct? Correct, yeah. So FHAs, it's very known for that, right? Buying a multi-unit property and they'll, they'll let you use the rental income to offset that mortgage payment so you can actually qualify for that purchase price because we're talking about $500,000, $600,000 loan. But what most people don't know is that the reason you're going to qualify is assuming that those properties do get rented or if they already have tenants, to use that rental income to cash flow to help off offset that. So that's a great way with the FHA products. The other one that you mentioned as well with house hacking, I like with the method of buying a property, right? Let's say you're young, 20 years old, you're going to college, you buy a property and you rent out the other rooms in your actual home to roommates, $400, $800. And now you're living for free technically and you're paying your overhead. A year from now, you move out of that property and you put another roommate in there or you put a family in there to just have that steady uh, cash flow coming in. So those are some great uh, strategies to just uh, start right off the bat and be able to make some uh, some passive income for sure. Of course, yeah. If you can find a way to just pretty much have someone else pay for your mortgage, why not? Exactly, yeah. Watch that balance go down and then equity 3 to 4% is the average return on it. And in some cases, you have years where 
and like we saw in 2020, 2021, and even part of 22, where we saw 10 to 15, even 30% increases. So it's a roller coaster ride with real estate, but long term, it's always going to be more than what you ended up buying it for. Of course. So let me ask you this how can I identify some real estate opportunities right now in this current market? In this current market right now, as long as you have proper representation, I can't stress that enough. You need an agent that is going to go out and bat for you and find these deals for you, especially if you're one of those savvy people that wants to make sure that they're getting a deal. Because right now there is motivated sellers. I have one transaction right now where the seller is selling a property because it's about to go into auction by the end of this month. So my client, because we've been known to close transactions pretty quickly, 14 days or less, our offer was accepted. So we can go ahead and close on that transaction. So we got it with closing costs. We got it under asking price because we're going to assure that we're going to close timely. So that client's getting a pretty solid deal. Um, there's motivated sellers such as people moving out of state. I would say that's a huge one as well. So if you're moving out of state, those people are motivated. They probably already have another transaction over there that they need to close on. So they need to get rid of this home ASAP and vice versa. Even if it's here, somebody who let's say wanted a contract on a new build last year, and now they need a sell so they can go ahead and move into their dream home or their upgraded home. That's a lot of opportunity like that as well is being currently presented as well. And then there's always going to be those properties that people inherited due to family members passing away and that they're selling it and they just want a fast transaction to be closed. They're not necessarily selling them to investors, which is a good thing right now. Like the investors are buying properties up but not as aggressively as they were during the 2020 and 2021 market because rates aren't as low. So a lot of these cash investors, they're just offering whatever the listing price is, nothing too crazy. Or, they'll, or they're underbid so low that most sellers just don't want it. So if you're going to share a fast closing, which we've been doing, and our agents, they try to find all that information out so they can present the best offer, you'll definitely find some, some good deals, even in a market where... You said 12000 right now is the inventory, which is very, very low still. There's still opportunity. Yeah, I think it's about a month and a half of inventory right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like 8000 less than what it was in the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So pretty much finding the right resources and finding the right team to be able to help you find these properties is, is what you're saying. It's the key, correct, okay. yeah, because you can't, me and you, we, if we don't have the other elements of having the support of an agent that's really, really involved in the current market, it, you're going to have a hard time finding these deals. So so what are some of the most effective financing options available right now for real estate investments? Yeah. So let's first start off with if you are a first-time buyer, right? The most effective one, right off the bat, it's always going to be FHA, buying a multi-unit property. Because that's the only way to be able to buy technically four properties on one single transaction. So that's probably the biggest one that most people should take advantage of. Number two, if you're a current homeowner already, using a primary conversion and buying a new property with a 5% down, making your current home the investment property. And then you buy another property that you're going to live in for a year. And you can do this over and over again, up to 10 times. As long as you're filing your taxes correctly, there's not going to be any issue, right? Most Fannie and Freddie will let you finance up to 10 properties with no questions asked. In some cases, you might get exceptions where you can get up to 12 to 15 properties financed. But the rule of thumb is 10. Um, now, the other great opportunities uh, for financing, I like the DCSR loans, which I was mentioning to you earlier. So DCSR is pretty awesome because you don't need any income, right? It's uh, as long as you have your assets. So it's as little as 10 to 15 percent down payment, depending on your credit. The main factor is if it's going to be able to cash flow. 
to be able to pay your mortgage because we're not using any income. So we, the main factor is how much rental are you going to get from that property to be able to support your mortgage payment. So is rental on those, is it market value or just whatever you're getting? So it's going to vary on the appraiser. So the appraiser is going to go and do an analysis for you, and then they'll compare it to whatever rent you have. If you already have a tenant that agreed at $2,500 or $3,000 and you want to use that rental income, they will ask for additional documentations to be able to support it in the event that the appraiser said, you know what, we're only going to give you $1,800 in credit because that's what the area is going for. And that's why I'm asking because sometimes I know certain areas you can get more rent than what the appraiser says or the market says. Correct. So let me ask you this. On that that type of loan, what's the typical interest rate on those DS? The DCSR loans, right now they're in the low 7s to maximum 8%. It's just going to vary on your down payment and your credit score are the two two factors. The higher the down payment, the better the credit score. I do recommend at least trying to come in with 20% to 25% down. So you get the best interest rate possible. And then how can I use real estate just to leverage generating passive income and achieve financial independence? Uh, the, The best way is the more properties you own, the more cash flow you have, right? So you're making $200, $300 per property. The more properties you accumulate throughout time, you're going to generate a higher passive income. And as the years progress, you'll be able to refinance those properties to lower the monthly payments to increase the actual cash flow that you're you're going to get, right? A lot of the investors, that's what they do. They buy lots of properties. They wait you know, a year or two, they refinance and get those payments lower and they start getting more passive income to be able to pay off those debts faster, right? The key is to try to pay off the debt as quickly as you can. That way you're maximizing, you're pretty much a retirement at that point, right? Um, some people do it in five years, 10 years, but the goal is to pay off these mortgages that you do have in these homes to be able to have that, that bigger cash flow. And what a lot of people don't know is that the other amazing key that most of these people do that are heavy hitters in the, in, as investors is that they actually do cash outs on their properties. Once they pay them off, instead of paying themselves off or from their LLCs or anything like that, what they'll do is they'll just do a cash out loan against one of their properties. And that's the money that they use to be able to pay their finances, et cetera, because they don't have to pay any taxes on that income, right? That's a, a loan that they took out and then you can write off the interest rate. So that's one of the unique ways that a lot of people do it, that the wealthy stay wealthy, right? So those are some of the best ways to be able to maximize financial freedom. So right now you said something interesting that now I'm kind of like thinking like, what happens if there's more? So you said with Fannie, they'll they'll let you do up to 10 loans. After the 10th or 11th or 12th loan, like you said, are you just considered an institutional investor or why why can you only go up to 10? Yeah, so... Fannie and Freddie, they don't want to insure so many loans for when it comes to the investing. If they see that your investment portfolio is pretty deep, it's a liability. In the event that the market does crash, usually the first assets that go away is second homes and investment properties. Everybody pays the roof over their head first and they let the other ones go. So that's just them trying to protect themselves. But most investors, usually when they reach that level of 10 to 12 and they couldn't get that other exception to get the 15th or the 13th one finance, they start moving these loans into private loans, pretty much. A lot of private lenders will finance with no documentation needed. As long as the equity is in there in all of these homes, they'll finance 10, 12 properties for you. As long as you can show good payment history, current tenants, and that you don't have any like major foreclosures. And if the end reserves, 
they'll refinance all your properties at a low interest rate, five, six percent, and then they'll take them off of your credit report. They don't report to credit. You put them under your business LLC's name or trust, and even when you're doing another mortgage transaction, they won't even pop up on your credit. So that's the way, once you reach that limit to get away from that and be able to still get another 10 properties using a Fannie or Freddie loan. That's awesome. And then what are some important factors to consider when you're evaluating the potential profitability of an investment property? So some of the key factors that I always recommend and even myself that I look into is location being one. Number one one rule in real estate, right? Location, location, location. (laughs) So we always look at location to see uh, how populated the area is, the demand, how's housing, right? Because if you, especially if you're going to hold it and rent it, you want to make sure that you don't have trouble renting that home out. So we always look at location being one. The other factors that we look into is to see if there's enough cash flow actually coming in on the unit itself or the property itself. In today's market, honestly, if you're breaking even, I consider that a good deal just because rates are higher than the norm. When rates do come down, refinance it, you should cash flow about $100 to $200 a month, which is honestly pretty good. As time progresses, you'll be able to maximize that into a $400, $500 profit for the property. Other factors that we look into is just the price. Make sure that it's not overpriced, that we're getting a a decent deal, market deal at least, with the potential of that property increasing in value. So I try to stay away from newer development areas, and I would suggest people to stay away from those too, especially if there's not so much history on it. Now, if it's a city that you know has a lot of projects coming up and they've already been approved, not rumors, mm-hmm. like they've really been approved already, then I'd say go for it, right? Like right now here in Arizona, we have tons of projects already approved and being worked on in the city of Glendale. Glendale is a huge area that has potential for those that are looking to get into real estate investing and holding onto properties that may be a, a lot more down the road when it comes to equity. Yeah, the 303 and I want to say... Like the surprise area is blowing up too. So that's a good area just to go invest because they just put out a Costco and then that, that whole shopping complex is already blown up with oh, stores wow. and everything. There's Costco, there's BlackRock, Whataburger, TJ Maxx. They built a huge Fat Cats facility out there for movies and events and stuff. So that's another area if you're looking also. Uh, surprise area is just blowing up right now. Surprise. That's good to hear. No, yeah. I mean, even like places like Buckeye where back in 2016 it was just desert I've had uh, friends, family that have purchased out in Buckeye, and I've gone recently to go visit, and it's night and day. I mean, the development that's going down there, and still more to come. I mean, there's a lot of projects that are still pending, um, you know, but that they will uh, eventually happen. And before you know it, it'll be just like Glendale. I mean, Glendale right now is, it's literally booming with the resorts that they're building, that the new amusement parks that they're trying to bring in. It's a it's really good to see, though. I mean, especially for our city, that's always been referenced by the media as like just desert and cowboys and cows. It's really not like that. <laughs> the sad thing is we're probably losing the coyotes. We are. I'm yeah. Sad, I'm sad about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's what happened. More population, more becomes more city. But, I mean, I, we still see them here and there. <laughs> so can you give me some stories, some um uh... What is it? What's it? What are they called? Not some story. testimonials. Some testimonials. There you go. I, I, the word escaped me. Some testimonials or some stories of just some of your clients have, have done some wealth building through buying properties and buying investment properties or converting their current into an investment property and then, of course, purchasing another property. Yeah. One, and, then I, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind me sharing. It's actually a really close friend of mine that's actually done this. He's my barber. 
he's been cutting my hair since I was a sophomore in high school. And the fact that I've been able to help him and educate him on what real estate could do for him, and he's actually taken it and done it. I think he's in his fifth or sixth property, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's on his sixth, recently just bought one. And he's already asking me like, hey, I'm ready for the next one next year. And that's someone who's who sees the potential in that, right? He understands the growth, that it's not a get rich scheme kind of thing, but long-term it will send him financially free as he's already seen the equity from the first four properties that he's purchased that he's up so much, right? So he sees the gains and he's really taking it to heart. I mean, he talks a lot about it too. Whenever you go to his shop, he's always advising his clients, you know, to buy properties, his coworkers. And he's someone too that we've educated on when it comes to self-employed and how to actually do your taxes the right way so you can always get financing and not be penalized, right? I feel like one of the biggest one of the, yeah, one of the biggest mistakes are self-employed community does, especially when you're brand new, a brand new entrepreneur, you write off everything, right? You get your, your taxes and they tell you, Hey, you have to pay us $20,000 back. And then they start going itemizations, every little thing that they could to maximize it. And before you know it, they're either making little to no money on their business. So to a bank, when you're trying to show financing and the uh, eligibility of repaying back, it shows very, very bad because the, at the end, the bank's going to make a worst case decision They're at higher risk. So he's someone that I can really say that took it, took the education and ran with it and is doing really, really well right now with it. That's awesome. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our viewers about building wealth that you want to share with us? For content and tips on real estate building, I do have an Instagram page, The Mortgage Fellas, where my branch does a lot of content on tips on how to prepare your taxes, how to purchase properties, investment properties, hard money transactions, and many more, right? So definitely give us a follow at The Mortgage Fellas on Instagram. Also, you can follow me as well. I'm always releasing new content as well when it comes to mortgage tips and also anything that we can do to help you build wealth. That's Arguelles underscore at, no, Arguelles underscore home loans for tips as well. And we're always you know, call away 602-545-9082 or shoot us a text with any questions, free consultations. There's no stupid question at the end. I always like to say that because it doesn't matter how dumb you think the question might be. It may be something that somebody out there has actually been asking as well. So you'll be able to help us maybe make a content video on it and give it to the general public. But that's the best way to communicate with us. And we're located here in Glendale. We just relocated to Westgate. So it's been really, really exciting to see the transition. And we have a lot of unique programs that are coming out soon as well that we can't wait to share with everybody. Cool. All right. Well, if you guys have any additional questions, of course, reach out to Brian or you can always reach out to us on our socials. And if you guys have any insurance questions or any insurance needs, of course, also reach out to us. Brian, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, yeah, but thank you as well. Always a pleasure seeing you, my, my guy. All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you.